We greet you in the name of the Lord. It's so good to be here in Covington, uh, back in Covington. We were here uh, for seven years and established so many different kinds of relationships. We love you all so much. You know, we said in the first service, we love Pastor Bob and April like family. They are family. And I, I would remind you as we get started here this morning, you know, value, and I know you do and will, but value this couple as much as you possibly can. You have no idea possibly how blessed you are to have them, and I'm not just trying to butter them, butter them up. You know, you go over, we've been to so many different places, we've seen so many different things, and you guys really have something special here. I've always, there's something unique going on at Covington First Assembly. The Spirit of God is here. The presence of God is here. Jesus is the focal point. The ministry of the Word is what it needs to be. And, but not just that, just the overall unity that I sense, the togetherness that's evident here at Covington First. I, I just encourage you guys uh, to continue in that vein and let God use you and continue to establish the kingdom of God right here in West Indiana. If you love Jesus, say amen. amen. Several years ago now, I told my wife, I debated on whether to share this, but since I'm preaching and you're not, I'll be the one to share. Several years ago now, we were at, Pastor Bob and I were at district council, and um, it was a very serious year. That year, uh, Pastor Gifford was up for re-election for the position of superintendent, and uh, the atmosphere of the council was very serious and sober. Uh, for a number of reasons, because Pastor Gifford had experienced some opposition that year. And the council, the pastors present at the council, everything seemed to be very terse. I mean, it seemed to be tense, I should say. Uh, you know, and, and to top it all off, there was a young man there from the North Texas District of the Assemblies of God that had just come to Indiana, and he had stood up on the floor of the council three, four, maybe five times and said some inappropriate things. Uh, not only to the, the congregation, but to Pastor Gifford himself. And that put everybody on edge. To be honest, he, he embarrassed himself. He embarrassed his family. Uh, and, and he just kind of made a fool of himself. So the atmosphere is very serious. It's very sober. I mean, it's very tense. And now it's time to cast our vote for, you know, nomination for superintendent. Of course, my vote's for Don Gifford. I love Brother Gifford. And right as we were about to cast our votes, your pastor <laughs> leaned over to me and said, I don't know about you, but I'm voting for that guy from the North Texas District. <laughs> hey, folks, let me ask you all something. Have y'all ever got really tickled at something that really wasn't that funny? I, I don't know, looking back, that's several years ago now. I, it wasn't that funny. I don't know if I was just tired and delirious. But something about what he said cracked me up. It, it, for the next 45 minutes, I tried to suppress open laughter. Now, folks, this is district council. Don Gifford will call you on the carpet. And when I say I'm laughing, I, I don't mean like out loud, disruptively, but every few minutes, I, <laughs> I could not suppress laughter. Have you ever tried to fight laughter with every ounce of your physical strength and could not do it? For 45 minutes, I tried to keep it down, but could not. Missionaries on the front pew were looking back and asking us if we were all right. 
It was completely inappropriate. And I might say, all Pastor Bob's fault. I couldn't take him anywhere. So I told the early service crowd that hopefully y'all have got him a little bit more controlled and corralled. And that he's come along a little way since I've left. That's what I hope. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Psalms, chapter 38. He'll come up here later and try to correct me and give his own version, but don't believe him. (laughs) Folks, I'm thrilled to be here today. I have something that, something specific that I believe the Holy Spirit wants me to share with this congregation. Uh, We have been traveling for a few years now. We, We do pastor First Assembly of God in Alamo, Tennessee. But for the past few years, we've been to Honduras and Nicaragua three or four times at least, Colombia. We just got back from London, England, and we focus, excuse me, on three different kinds of ministries when we're there. I'll tell you this real quickly, and then we'll get into the Word. Uh, You know, when we get there, we focus on pastor's conferences. Uh, The last pastor's conference we had, there was probably four or five hundred leaders there from not just in the host nation, but from all over the world. And folks, can I tell you humbly, what a privilege, what an opportunity to speak prophetically to leaders that will take that knowledge and that revelation back to their congregations. I'm just so thankful to be able, everywhere we go, we have pastor's conferences. And then the next night we'll have a crusade where we're preaching to unchurched people. We usually read some kind of mall parking lot or some kind of ballpark and people, you know, folks, they're so hungry. I'm talking about even unchurched people. Uh, When we were in Bogota, Colombia, people came, I mean, just out of the woodworks. There was 10 to 15,000 people there and we we were able to preach the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ to them and God confirmed His Word with signs following. Folks, salvation for the lost and healing for the sick and deliverance for the oppressed and joy for For those that are sad, you know, God's still doing today everything He did in the book of Acts. He still wants to confirm His word with signs following. Of course, a lot of it has to do with the atmosphere. People come. They're they're expecting God to move. And there's such anticipation there. But what a privilege just out of nowhere for us to start getting to do this. Uh, And then when Sunday rolls around, the team and I bust up and we'll preach in two or three, maybe even four different churches on Sunday. And then we come back. This is what I call short-term mission trips. We're there like three or four days and we hit it hard and heavy and then we get out, we get out of there. The pastors in the last uh, trip we went uh, in London, England, uh, they had made a pledge and a promise to filter uh, so many of the converts there. I should say some of the people that attended the events we hosted. The pastors there actually do all the legwork. They do all the hard work and um, but, you know, it's just a privilege, and we're here today just to tell you a little bit about that. I have something from the Word that I want to share with you, but I at least wanted to give you that information. That's the three areas that we focus on. The pastor's conferences, the crusades for the out, uh, the outreach for the lost, and then we preach in different services or churches. We've preached to 20 people, and we've preached to 2,000 people in churches. doesn't matter, just whatever God wants. But I'm so thankful to be a part of that, and we just anticipate greater things, The Bible says God has great things in store for those that love Him. If you believe that, say amen. 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 I want you to turn with me. Psalm 38. We're going to begin reading in verse 9. 
I probably don't have to remind a group of believers like this how important it is to be careful about what we say and how we speak to others. But that's what I feel led of the Lord to do, so I'm just going to obey God. You know, church, I've been saying it for years. The Lord wants us not only to walk in the Spirit, but He wants us to talk in the Spirit as well. And as we get started, let me be quick to say, you know, all of us have failed in this area. All of us need to probably muzzle our tongue, our lips, our mouth more than we do. But, you know, folks, I've always said there's a sense in which I can gauge. Pastor Bob, will you move this out of my way? Is it? It's the third time I've tripped on it. Just kidding. You know, folks, I can always gauge my level of spirituality based on how loose my tongue is. The words of our mouth are always a reflection of the condition of our hearts. And when I allow myself as a born-again, spirit-filled believer to say anything that pops into my fertile mind, then I take that as an evidence that I'm probably not walking in the Spirit as I should. Folks, I'm not here to beat a dead horse. I'm not here to make a big deal out of something small. I'm not going to strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. But our words are very important. How we speak to each other is of vital importance. And so as we get started, I want to encourage you to allow the Spirit of God. You know, somebody said God gave us the gift of tongues, if nothing else, because He knew the tongue, the mouth, would be the hardest part of our body to to take control of. Amen? So if you're ready to get real uncomfortable this morning, say amen. Amen. Well, all right. Psalm 38, verse 9, says this. Lord, all my desire is before you, and my groaning, my groaning is not hid from thee. My heart panteth, my strength faileth me, as for the light of mine eyes it also is gone from me. My lovers and my friends stand aloof at a distance from my sore, and my kinsmen stand afar off. They also that seek after my life lay snares for me, and they that seek my hurt speak mischievous things and imagine deceits all the day long. But I as a deaf man heard not, and I was as a dumb man that opened not his mouth. And look carefully at verse 14 because that's the premise that everything's going to be built on. Verse 14, Thus David says, I was as a man that heareth not and in whose mouths are no reproofs. In whose mouth are no reproofs. Bow your head with me quickly. Father, thank you for the grace of God that not only forgives, but also empowers. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon this pastor and congregation. Lord, continue to lead us in the way everlasting. Father, the leadership and the congregation, thank you for the life of God imparted and deposited in our midst today. We give you all the glory and honor. Father, help us to not just walk in the Spirit, but to talk in the Spirit as well. May we say things that honor you. Father, may the words of our mouth And the meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our Redeemer. Father, we give you praise for speaking prophetically to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Verse 14, in whose mouth are no reproves. A newer version puts it this way. In whose mouth are no arguments or replies. David said, even when my enemies attacked me and hurled insults at me, there were no reproofs in my mouth, meaning this, I didn't fight back. I didn't retaliate. I did not match verbal swords with those that attacked me. It's necessary that I say this again real quickly, folks. All of us have failed in this area. Every one of us have kept talking when we should have stopped. Come on, somebody. Listen, every one of us have a need in our lives as it relates to putting a harness, a muzzle on our mouth, and learning to talk in the Spirit. I'm not trying to condemn anybody. My goal is is to not try to make you feel bad. That's not what this is all about. But I do feel led to the Lord to challenge the body of Christ, whether it be at church or at home among husbands and wives, among family, parents and children, among teachers at school, friends, co-workers, whatever it may be. We have an obligation to be careful about what we say and how we say it. It's one thing to refrain from speaking it, but it's another thing to do away with the attitude behind it as well. God just wants to lovingly speak to us today and emulate David's example when he said, even when my enemies attacked me, I did not retaliate. I did not attack them back. He said, even when others cast slurs at me, I did not do the same. I did not defend myself when verbally assaulted. In other words, church, David is saying, I did not fight fire with fire. I refused to fight fire with fire. Come on, somebody. Folks, I can't preach this unless I know you're going to help me. I'm just that way. This is a hard message somewhat. And if you're not going to help me, I don't know how good I'll be able to get through it. Thank you. You know, church, you have to really be walking in the spirit of prayer and love to respond to conflict like David did. You and I really have to walk in the spirit of love to respond to conflict like David and even Jesus did. We'll say more about that in just a moment. We have to really be mature and having possessed real wisdom and understanding to respond like this. And yet, that's exactly what God is requiring of the people in the body of Christ. You know, folks, we're not licensed. We're not authorized to attack others when they attack us, even if they deserve it. Somebody, well, Brother Mark, they shouldn't have done this and they shouldn't have done that. Possibly, but we can't control the actions of others, but we can control our own. Folks, God's calling us to a higher walk, a higher level. We're just not to respond to conflict like the world does. Human nature is always to respond with the same kind of anger that it has been attacked with, but that is not God's way. We are to take a higher road. Amen. David is the epitome of this. Some of you will remember in 2 Samuel 16. I don't want you to turn there. Take it from me. It's, it's in there. Okay? I don't want you to turn there, but as an example, we're using David. David is the one that wrote Psalm 38. And the Bible says a demon-possessed man probably by the name of Shimei. Everybody say Shimei. David had just been ran out of the capital, the palace 
uh, by his own son Absalom. And the Bible says a man by the name of Shimei met him as he was departing the city, cursing at him and slinging, you know, slander at him and casting stones at him and spitting at him and saying all kinds of things to David and about David that were just not true. Some of you may remember David's right-hand man, Abishai, looked at David and said, My lord the king, let me get my sword and go over there and chop his head off. Who is this dead flea that he should insult the king like this? And yet the Bible says that David did not even acknowledge Shimei, but he told Abishai, let him curse. Let him talk. It may be that God will remember my affliction and leave me a blessing. You know, folks, David understood there's no, there's no profit to gain in retaliating against those that attack us. There's nothing productive or fruitful to act toward others the way they do us as it relates to conflict. Walk the higher road. I believe what God would have me to say to you today is walk the higher road and not just walk in the Spirit, but learn to talk in the Spirit as well. We're not authorized from the Lord to treat others even if they treat us with ill favor. Let it go. Dismiss it. My my philosophy, I'll preach to this side. Y'all are not responding enough. Just kidding, y'all. Just kidding. My philosophy is this, folks. Think about it now. My philosophy is this. If the Lord can forgive me of the 79.3 million infractions I've committed against Him, surely I can forgive the couple infractions that my brother or sister has committed against me. If God has blotted out my unspeakable, nasty record, surely I can find the grace to forgive others and do the same. Amen. No reproves in my mouth, David said. No reproves. He says, let others talk, let others curse, but we must not match verbal swords with people. Folks, let Shimei curse if he wants to, but you and I are not to act that way. Everybody looking at me. Of course, you know us. I'm speaking of human nature, and even though we're born again to the Spirit of God, there are still two natures in us. The Bible says we've been made partakers of the divine nature. That's God's nature, but there's still that carnal nature in us as well. That's why Paul says walk in the Spirit, meaning it's, it's possible for believers to walk in the flesh according to that old nature if they don't stay on guard. There's two dogs on the inside of you. It's just depending on which one you feed the most that will probably prevail. You know us. Somebody can, bo- somebody can put their arrow in their bow and they can pull that bow back and shoot their poisonous dart of verbal assault at us and wound us. You know us. Instead of just taking it and praying for them like the Bible commands us to, we'll... We're not called to pick the arrow up and shoot it back. I know that's a little bit dramatic. (laughs) We're not called to pick the dart up and sling it back at our enemies. We're to pray for them and to forgive them and love them, but especially in the body of Christ. Man, let it go. I've been preaching my entire adult life themes like this. Are you telling me that 
You're still mad over something that happened three years ago? Folks, don't get me wrong. This is probably more for us personally and individually. It has nothing to do with the church. Nothing at all, probably. Although the the application can be made. In our personal lives, are you going to sit here and tell me that you're still stewing over something your wife said three months ago and you're still mad? You've got to be kidding me, man. Repent! I'm just trying to use examples. <laughs> Folks, it's, it's absolutely okay to have a good time. But you know I've been in this thing long enough to know there's people still upset over something happened two years ago. That's ridiculous, man. Grow up! Get right with God. We've got husbands that still won't really talk to their wife and open up uh, because she showed him a little disrespect eight and a half months ago. You're kidding me, man. Repent. The only answer, the only solution is repent and get right with God and forget all that and start walking in tune and fellowship with the Holy Spirit and get back to to life. Get back to work. Amen? Amen? Our words are so important. They are a reflection of the condition of our heart. And as the book of Proverbs says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. That's what the scripture says. I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter. This might be the last verse we turn to, although I'm not anywhere near done. 1 Peter chapter 2. I want you to go back there with me toward the back of the New Testament. 1 Peter 2.21 I'm going to have to start using a computer more. I'm up here still looking for 1 Peter. 1 Peter 2.21 Jesus, our Lord, is always the pattern. He's always worthy of emulation. Folks, our precious Lord Jesus has everything for everybody. He gives us wonderful examples, patterns to follow after even when it comes to these kind of personal issues. 1 Peter 2.21 reads like this. If you're there, say amen. amen. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us as an example that you should follow His steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in His mouth. Who, when He was reviled, reviled not again. When He suffered, He threatened not, but cons- committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. No more fighting back, church. The Bible says there were no reproofs in Christ's mouth. He was reviled, but reviled not again. Church, how wonderful it is to be controlled by the precious Spirit of God. The Bible says when he suffered, he threatened not. He did not pick the dart up and throw it back. Not not at all. No more arguments. No more defending ourselves. But just walk humbly with the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You know, folks, it's all right if somebody gets a heads up on you. Amen. Stop trying to defend yourself. You know, we spend way too much time trying to make sure everybody knows we're good and okay. Stop trying to defend yourself and let Shimei curse and blab if he wants to, but you don't go that route. Walk in the Spirit of God. I've got in my notes here, I was sharing with Pastor Bob before the service starts a few years ago, 
there was a lady that come up to me after the service. We'd had a great service that night. Uh, a young man had given his heart to the Lord and he wept like a baby and cried out to Jesus and was wonderfully saved. He's still serving God to this day. This is probably three or four years ago. So we were just kind of excited. That was a Wednesday night. We were excited. And a, a lady come up to me after the service and demanded that she speak with me in my office. So we went back there and long story short, she looked me in the eye and she said, Look, Mark, you're just not real. You're fake. And you know what I did, church? I, I, I responded by saying this. You know, Sister Bucket, I mean, Sister so-and-so, the Holy Spirit knows the truth. You're calling me fake. You're calling me not But the Holy Spirit knows the truth. But you know, church, if I had it to do over, I wouldn't have even said that. I would not have corrected her if I had it to do over. Not that I believe what she had to say, not at all. But we're not called to defend ourselves. We're not called to match verbal swords with people. I understand that we're not called to be a doormat for people to walk on. I understand that. But we're not called to fight fire with fire. I'm not to insult those that insult me. If you walk out of here this morning and say, it's the worst message I've ever heard in my God-given life. God bless you. More power to you. Good opinion. Folks, listen. One thing about David was is he had experienced enough disappointment. He had experienced enough conflict in his life. He had lost his taste for bitterness. He understood his own weaknesses in his own life. And he just felt like even if attacked, it would not be pleasing to the Lord to attack others. He understood his own weaknesses and own fleshly tendencies. David understood that he still lacked a a long way to go in this thing called the kingdom of God. And that's why he learned to just let it go. To let it go. One reason we can afford to avoid defending ourselves when others criticize is that no person's opinion can change God's love and plans for us. Come on, somebody. God says... God says, Behold, I set before you an open door, and no man can shut it. The Lord says, I shut, no man opens, and I open, and no man shuts. One reason we can afford to look over the insults and criticism of others is because their opinion can't change our destiny in God. Jesus loves you. He's got a great plan for your life. The closer we get to the Lord, the more qualified we'll be, uh, be to be used of God in greater levels. And other people's opinion cannot change my destiny. It cannot change God's opinion of me. That's why I can afford not to worry too much when others decide I'm due for a good critical remark. It's all right. Folks, I've often said as leaders, if we can't handle a little bit of criticism, we're probably not worth the salt that goes in our bread anyway. Man, I'm preaching so good. You've got to have a hide as tough as an alligator's, but you've got to have a heart as tender as a grape. You've got to be able to take a licking and keep on ticking. Your feelings can't be wore on your sleeve all the time. You've got to be willing to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You can't get your feelings hurt all the time, friend. And I'm not talking about just the church, moms and dads, husbands and wives. Any little bitty thing can't set you off. You can't allow yourself to get upset over any little bitty thing.
King Jesus was facing the penalty of death. The Bible says they called him a criminal. They said he makes himself a king against Caesar. They said he's... They said he said he would destroy the temple and raise it up. They said he ought to die because he made himself the Son of God. They made all of these accusations against Jesus. They said all these false things against him. And yet through all of that, the Bible says, as a lamb led to the slaughter, so opened he not his mouth. Whoa! Wow! What an example. I've often thought, you know, of course, if it had been us, we'd have, bless God, done something about it. Do you remember this story of the Syrophoenician woman who approached Jesus and said, My daughter has an unclean spirit. Will you come and heal her? Jesus said, No, it's not fit to take the children's bread and cast it to the dog. Jesus called her a dog. Do you remember that? Wouldn't you think that would have offended her? Wouldn't you think that would have set her back? And yet the Bible says as she persevered in her faith, yeah, Lord, I know, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's or children's table. Jesus turned to the multitude and said, great is this woman's faith. I've not seen such great faith. No, not in all Israel. You see how valuable it is, church, not to allow ourselves to be overly offended by the critical words of others. Man, it's all right. Your reputation's ruined anyway. You ain't got a reputation to uphold. You're a follower of Jesus. They think you're a crackpot anyway. <laughs> so he opened not his mouth. He never defended himself and he never acted as his enemies. Amen. Jesus taught this principle. You've heard it said, you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for those who despitefully use you. The context reveals, especially with their words. I want to say it again, folks. You've got to really be, I've got to really be walking in the Spirit to even come close to putting this into practice. But this is what God's calling us to do. Yeah, to act like Christians all the time. To act like Christians with our spouse in the home. This is what God's calling us to. Even on the cross, Jesus prayed for His tormentors by saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Let others attack if they must, but may we prove our scriptural depth by refusing to do so. Folks, I've always said, spiritual depth is not determined by how much we speak in tongues. Spiritual depth is not not connected to how loud we shout at church, and there's nothing wrong with any of this stuff. Spiritual depth can be calculated by how we respond when others have a negative word to say against us. When the cup is tipped over, whatever is in it will come out. Moms and dads, husbands and wives, your level of spirituality will be determined by the atmosphere of your home. Our homes are more important than the atmosphere of the church. It's just that simple. So it's not about condemning anyone. It's about reminding the body of Christ. You know, a soft answer turns away wrath. Don't just walk in the Spirit. Talk in the Spirit and honor Christ with your words. That means so much. 
1 Corinthians 4, don't turn there, verse 13 says this in the King James. Being defamed, we entreat. But listen to what it says in the NIV. Here's what the same verse says in the NIV. When we are slandered, Paul says, we answer kindly. According to Paul, many times they had been slandered by others, and yet they always responded with kindness. Folks, I'd be lying if I said that I have mastered this. I'm looking back over my life mentally right now as I preach to you. There have been times that I have done responded the correct way, and there have been times that I have responded in the incorrect way. There's times people have lambasted me verbally, and I just took it and prayed for them and stayed sweet in my spirit and did as the Lord. But other times, have you ever had a bad day? You know, this thing rises up within us like, how dare you touch not God's anointed? You know, like we're some untouchable prophet that no one can say one negative thing to. God will strike them dead. I can preach this because I've been successful at this and I've been unsuccessful, but God's wanting me to be more mindful because, friend, listen, our ability, get this in your spirit, to be used of God in ever-increasing ways in the kingdom will depend much on how we are able to control this mouth and what we speak to others. I have learned by experience my usefulness to God will be in measure many times to my ability to refrain when the Spirit of God quickens me and tells me that's enough. I just read the biography of A.B. Simpson who was so instrumental in the early 1900s, such a mighty preacher, powerful preacher 100, 125 years ago. I just read his biography, and I don't want to bore you, but I noticed in the biography as I was even preparing this message, he was born again, and he preached powerfully, but then he, he almost died and went home to be with the Lord in his late 30s. And he cried out to the Lord. The doctors had given him no hope. At, at age like 38, the great Dr. A.B. Simpson was about to die and go home to be with the Lord. But he didn't believe in healing. He was just a salvation preacher. He didn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He didn't believe in divine healing. He didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Some of the things maybe that we believe in. But when he got sick nigh unto death... He cried out to the Lord and God healed him and raised him up. And forevermore after that, Dr. Simpson made up his mind, wherever he preaches the gospel, it will be accompanied with this doctrine called divine healing. Somebody say amen. When he started preaching it, however, his former associates... The, 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 the crowd that he hung with his whole life, his ministerial associates, they rejected him and they criticized him. They didn't believe in divine healing and they didn't want to hear anything about divine healing. They didn't believe healing was included in the atonement when Jesus died on the cross. And when A.B. Simpson started preaching divine healing, he was rejected and ridiculed and many of his former friends literally tried to publicly expose him and put him to an open shame. And I've gotten my notes here some things that he said during the time he was being terribly verbally assaulted. He said, I never objected. I never responded in anger. I never defended myself. I do not desire to provoke argument, but to give my humble testimony that 
healing is real. So church, I, I come away from that with this. No more arguing. No more anger. No more bitterness. No rebuking others spitefully. You know, it's not our job. It's the Holy Spirit's job to bring correction and reproof. Come on, somebody. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. It's God's business to knock people upside the head, not mine. Don't get me wrong. There are times when confrontational issues must be addressed. And especially a pastor at times when necessary has to put his finger on a certain area and make a decision. It won't be popular every time. Uh, So correction at times is needed. But I'm speaking generally now when I say... You know, you're not authorized by the Holy Spirit to go around arresting people. Come on, somebody. It's not your job to jerk the handcuffs out and, you know, lock them up. Barney Fife. (laughs) Humbly continuing to go forward with God putting a restraint, a muzzle on our mouth and being careful and continuing to go forward with God. Amen. How many knows it's not what comes, it's not what goes in the mouth, but it's what comes out of the mouth that defiles the Jewish people of Jesus' day. Folks, will you give me just a few more minutes here? Will you give me a few more minutes here? Three of you said yes. The other 179 of you wasn't sure. Just want to make sure. Jesus said it's not what goes in, it's what comes out that defiles. The Jewish leaders of Jesus' day needed to understand that wolfing down a ham sandwich won't defile anybody. But the words out of our mouths, if spoken in the wrong spirit, can really defile us and keep us from walking in the spirit like God wants us to do. Watchman Nee said this, Each time we speak out against another unnecessarily, it means a loss of spiritual authority and power. One way to know we have spiritual authority with God and that our relationship with God is real is the ability not to reproach others with our mouth and also not to be easily offended ourselves. Folks, I've I've often said the body of Christ is too easily offended. Way too easily offended. None of this matters where. The church, the workplace, school, the home. It doesn't matter where. You and I are to put a guard on our mouth and be careful about what we say. So in closing here today, there will be times when someone will draw back their bow and they'll shoot their arrow against you. And this message today is a reminder that we're not called to pick that arrow up and shoot it back. We're not called to fight back, but to cast all our care upon Him because He cares for us to love and forgive and refuse to live like your attackers. Amen. Amen. I want to, you know, James... I. The book of James, I I don't want you to turn there, but James says, you know, the tongue, it's an unruly member full of deadly poison. And James said, the whole world can be set on fire by the iniquity of the tongue. How many remembers that in the book of James? So there's a constant uh, caution in the Word of God uh, against using our mouth in an inappropriate, unbiblical way. And... um, You know, and it's the same thing about making sure that any word that's spoken in bitterness, it needs to be repented of, and any word spoken in malice or resentment is fleshly and, again, needs to be repented of. Amen? 
And so in light of this message, I'm listening to the radio the other day. I want to share this with you all real quickly. I'm about to quit. So I'm listening to Christian radio, and uh, it's Caleb. Do you all get Caleb up here? You do what? You get Caleb? So I'm listening to Caleb the other day, and apparently scientists have gotten together and have concluded that a small form of brain damage actually occurs when anyone is overly exposed to negative, pessimistic talking on a continual basis. They've actually proven that a small form of brain damage occurs over time when anybody is exposed to constant, negative, pessimistic talking all the time. So, you know, I heard that in my... The logical conclusion is this. Stop talking so pessimistically. You're destroying people's brains. Stop destroying people's minds. The gossip and the slander, I pray that all of us will have enough sensitivity to the Lord that we'll be able to recognize when we're pushing things a little bit too far and to back up and just allow God room to work His work. Folks, it's okay if you don't get the last word. Amen? If there's a little conflict going on in your life, let it go and pray for that person. It's okay if you don't get the last word, young person. I do want you to turn to Isaiah 6, and then I promise I'm going to quit. Isaiah chapter 6, because Isaiah 6, friends, is the answer. We're coming quickly to a close, but Isaiah 6 is the answer, and I can't let you get out of here today. We've confronted a problem that in the body of Christ, but we hadn't really thoroughly given, given an answer or, or a solution, and it's found in Isaiah 6. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. Stop destroying people's brains. <laughs> Verse 1, Isaiah 6.1. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain or two, He covered His face, and with two, He covered His feet, and with two, He did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I will dwell, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims, these angelic beings, unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Looking at me, please, in closing. Spirit of God, God Almighty sitting on the throne of His own glory, commissioned Isaiah into world prominence, world prophetic ministry. He said, Isaiah, you're going to go to the nations and you're going to tell them the truth, but it can't happen, Isaiah, until we do something with your mouth. 
Isaiah, the unclean, uncircumcised lips has to be purged. I, I read this while I was in London, England, and the Spirit of God so gripped my heart and spoke to me through this passage. There is a call on our lives to go beyond just a local pastorate. And, and the Holy Spirit just reminded me that, Mark, yeah, there's some good things in store for you and your family if you'll continue to go forward. But it's necessary that your lips be purged. You say, Pastor, you must really be spouting off some terrible things verbally. No. No. Maybe every now and then. But no more. I mean, this is the Holy Spirit taking it to another dimension and letting me know, Mark, Lordship, my Lordship means your words and not just your actions. Can I tell y'all something real quick? And will you not think any less of me? You know, folks, I've said a lot of times over the years, I don't have a lot of temptation in my life. I don't have a lot of, you know, I'm not tempted to steal. I'm not tempted to go rob a bank or, you know, I don't want anybody else's wife. None of this. But every now and then I am tempted to cuss. I don't cuss. I hadn't cussed in years, but I, I've got that temperament in me when it's not going my way. To, what the? So it's evolved. I, this I don't cuss, but I, I just like, what the? It went from that to what the blank? And, and then it went from that to what the? Ugh. Y'all are so spiritual. So, so the Lord speaks to my heart. He says, Mark, your lips have to be purged. I mean, I, it has to, there has to be a deeper work that takes place. The Holy Spirit told Isaiah, you're a prophet to the nations, but first your lips must be cleansed. And God took a coal from, with a tongue from the altar of heaven. He purged. He touched Isaiah's lips with it and it purged him. It removed his iniquity, the Bible says in the text, because much iniquity, church, is found in our mouth. You don't have to cuss like a sailor to be sinning with God. Words spoken in malice outside of the Spirit of God just needs to be repented of. And that's what this message is all about. A soft answer turns away wrath. Friend, learn how, all of us, learn how to talk. Learn how to be respectful and learn how to talk and see if it don't qualify you to be used of God on a greater level. Isaiah, you're going to the nations, but first we got to do something with that tongue. That mouth. So God bless you today, friends. I just want to lovingly encourage you that the Lord is in you and that He'll never forsake you. Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. But I believe in Lordship Christianity, which means, man, we've got to practice Christianity outside the four walls of the church. And, you know, folks, I promise I'm about to shut up. But I've always thought Christianity, when it, take, for example, worship. If all we worship is on Sunday... And never on Monday through Saturday, Sunday's worship probably means very little. Amen. Jesus said, he that would follow me must take up his cross daily. He must take up his cross daily. 
We, we've got to experience God and think about God at times outside of church. And that's why God is making a demand on us this morning. He wants us to be more cautious about how we speak to others and what we say to those around us. Everybody stand if you will. Thanks. We're going to pray. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Musicians, come, if you will. Just play something softly. Father, thank you for your grace here today. Thank you for the ministry and influence of the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for a simple reminder in the Word. Father, all any of us can do is just obey your promptings and do what you would have us to do. And Father, you've put this message on my heart. Father, I've shared it with this pastor and I've shared it now with his congregation. Renew us, God. Help our minds to be renewed and quickened by the word of God. Cleanse us and purge us. Wash us in the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus. Take me deeper, Father. Spirit of God, grip our hearts today. Remind us of your great promises. Father, our usefulness will depend many times on our words. Help us to talk in the Spirit, to love one another, to forgive those that have wronged us. Grip our hearts here today. We honor you, Jesus, and you alone. We honor the precious blood you shed on the cross of Calvary for our nasty, rotten, despicable sins. Help us to repent. Father, to turn away from those things that are obviously displeasing in your sight. Help us to walk in the sweetness of your spirit. Father, to speak the truth, but to speak the truth in love. Father, very quickly, I pray for husbands and wives. I pray for homes. I pray for husbands and wives. May we follow the pattern of the Lamb and no reproach be found in our mouths. Breathe upon us, Holy Ghost, afresh and anew. Confirm some things in our spirit. Father, may the atmosphere of our homes reflect the atmosphere of our churches. The sweet, tangible presence of God. May our homes be a sanctuary of your love and grace and acceptance. We give you glory and honor, precious God. We give ourselves to you, give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Folks, we love you so much. Go with the Lord. Walk in the Spirit. Pastor Bob, I love you so much, man. Come right up. Pastor Bob in April, I love, I love you guys so much. I've never, folks, I, listen, I'm going to take time to say this about 15 seconds. I've met a lot of people in my life, but none like Bob in April. I love these people so much, and they represent such, in my view, a quality of leadership and work ethic. 
And I just want to say quickly, I, I don't get to do this often, but I love Bob, we love Bob and April, and they've proven themselves over the years to be faithful. Their work ethic is second to none. His prayer life is real and genuine. And I sat in his office this morning and just listened to a couple insights he shared with me. And I thought, this guy really was listening the seven years I was here. I'm telling you, I've taught him everything he knows. No, that folks, I'm kidding. That is not true. But I want to say publicly, I love Bob and April and their family. And they mean so much to us. And folks, go out of your way to pray for them and to embrace them. I know you do. I don't have to beg you. Go out of your way to love them and embrace them. Pray for their family. And for God's sake, look over small, meaningless things. So we love you and we're praying for you. God bless. can be seated for just a moment. We're going to take up that offering. Boy, he's really working for a good offering, wasn't he? <laughs> Our teenagers are leaving immediately after service with Pastor Zach to go join Pastor Stephen in Michigan City for a waves retreat. And uh, where Zach is, he's with the kids downstairs, the little kids right now. This morning in the early service, I, the Pastor Mark was just preaching. It had nothing to do with anything he was saying. Um, the Spirit of God just quickened me and, and said that he has prepared an awesome 24 to 36 hours for you guys. And uh, he told me his Spirit is there waiting, anticipating the work that's going to be done at Waves Retreat today and tonight. So... Pass that on to Pastor Stephen and Pastor Zach. I'll say something to Zach about it this morning too, but I'm going to pray for our our students, our kids, teens, sorry, whatever you want to call them, teens, students, heading up to Michigan City, uh, as well as for Pastor Mark and Shauna. Folks, also for our community, another young man lost um, last night, horrible drowning incident. So, Father, we just come to you today thankful, first of all, for Pastor Mark and Shauna and the ministry They've shared here at, at our church, Lord, for seven years, and also all they're doing in Alamo and, and, and uh, South America and wherever you lead them, God, I'm so grateful that people are faithful like they are and are going to do the work and, and do it well, God, founded upon your word, founded in prayer. And Lord, I thank you for their influence on my life and my wife's life, my family's life, and over this church, God. We just honor them today with a grateful heart. Uh, Lord, we pray your blessing upon them, not just monetarily, but Lord, spiritually, physically, emotionally, God, that you would just strengthen them, make them whole uh, daily, God, as they do your work. And Lord, for our students as they head north, we just pray for traveling mercies, protection. But Lord, I thank you for the work that you're going to do there. Uh, Lord, you have prepared for it. You are there prepared and excited for this time for them to get away and into your presence, God. I thank you for what you're doing in our students and what you're going to continue to do in their lives. Raise them up. Raise up leaders, God. Raise up godly men and women out of this church to do your work. We thank you. And Father, for this family that has lost another young man in our community, we just pray for your peace and your strength, and Lord, that we can be a light to them through this very difficult time. 
uh, Lord, what, a, what an awful thing. And they might say, where were you? But God, you were there. You're there. You're everywhere, Lord. You're om- omnipresent. And Lord, you know. You know the insights of the situation. and You know the pain of the hearts of these parents and these family members. And we just lovingly bring them to you this morning, asking for your will to be done in their lives and for your strength and your hand. And God, bless this gift and bless those who are giving this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.